Tell your neighbor it's supposed to be a hot one this week. Uh, heat advisory out today. We forgot to thank God for air conditioner. How many think we should do that right now? <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 13. And uh, I just want to also encourage you, what Pastor Mike said, inviting you to come Tuesday night. It's our regular midweek service. We won't have a Wednesday. But uh, I tell you, I've heard a lot of people speak about America. I don't know that I've ever heard one as profound as David Barton. He is one of the most intelligent people I have ever heard. He is arguably one of the greatest historians about the, the history of, of Christianity and what Christianity did in the founding of America and, 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 and through our, our, the things that we practice in our culture. Well, anyway, how many know America is, is in trouble right now? America's sick. We see all over the news renewed fears about the coronavirus. But I'll tell you, there's a sickness that's inflicting America that's greater than the coronavirus. We have turned our backs on God. We are falling deeper in despair, and people don't seem to want to acknowledge it. But how many know this is not the first time in America? I mean, we have had dark times in America, and God has brought spiritual awakenings to the nation. And this is what David Barton's going to talk about. He's going to talk about the history of revival in America. And it will do something to build your faith, not just looking backwards, but looking ahead to what God might do. And we sure hope we're going to see you Tuesday at 7. Hey, Acts chapter 13, let me begin today with a historical account of Christianity on the Isle of Cyprus. This is during the missions journeys of, of Paul the Apostle. Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. And they finally reached Paphos, city of Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer. Now listen to these words. We've been talking in a series now for a number of weeks, actually eight weeks. The series is called Spiritual Terrorism, Winning the Battle Against Evil. Uh, we have been talking about the reality that demons are real, angels are real, God is real, Satan is real, and uh, yet we are in a battle, but it's an unseen battle. We see what it produces in the unseen world. We see what demonic powers produce, but yet we don't see them. But this gives us a graphic insight of how Satan is at work. A Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Now notice verse 7. This uh, sorcerer attached himself to the governor. Now, I don't know if he had educational credentials or I don't know if it was his ability to do uh, false miracles, but somehow he got real close to the governor and he influenced the man's decisions. Hey, have you ever wondered why so much insanity surrounds us in American politics today? I want to suggest to you it's quite possible and more it's likely that there's demonic uh, forces that are influencing politicians and some of the decisions they make. I read this morning again, and this just escapes me, but I read how the party in power, the Democrat Party, is now removing all restrictions for sending American money overseas for abortions. Why is it so important to take the life of a child? I mean, something just, something just goes again against God the Creator. Well, listen, it's at all levels. This insane spending, this devaluing of our currency, uh, a, a total lack of immorality, a desire to get rid of the authority of the police and one day have a federal police force. These are all things that are heading one day towards a one-world government. That's what communists do. And we wonder how these things are happening. Well, I'm telling you, friend, here's a demonic 
presence influencing the governor. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him. He wanted to hear the word of God. But notice now verse 8. Elimus the sorcerer, sorcerer interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Paul said. Isn't that what the secular spirit has been doing in America for decades now? We took the Ten Commandments off the walls of our schools. We discouraged prayers in schools as much as possible. Uh, we don't want a remembrance of God. Uh, now we have somehow want to isolate God from our culture. Well, this is exactly what this same spirit is at work at today. But notice, um, he was trying to keep the governor from believing. The point in all of this is to keep the governor from believing. If you were here the 4th of July, I did a, a, a sermon, and it was about uh, some of the founders and their views on public education. And, and all of them said, we believe the Bible should be taught in our schools. Uh, people, that people to enter Harvard University, their second precept, uh, you, had, you, had come to, you had, would come to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the source of all knowledge and learning. But yet in our public schools today, that's been neutered. It's been erased as if it, it hadn't ex doesn't exist. And that's exactly what, uh, what was happening here. He's trying to keep people from believing. But now look at verse 9. This is where the story picks up today. Uh, Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. And then he said to him, you son of the devil, full of every, uh, every sort of deceit, fraud, and enemy of all that is good. Now, have you wondered, if, you've, if you read the, the news, I'm so troubled by sex education that's being taught to kindergartners that teach them things that probably even a high schooler shouldn't even be learning. Why is it there's this force from a federal level that pushes immorality, which is the opposite of that which is good? This is spiritual in its root, and that's what was happening here. Uh, he was an enemy of all that was good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Now, verse 11 is pretty dramatic. One of the most dramatic things in Scripture the Lord, and not Paul, because there's punishment coming against this sorcerer. The Lord has laid his hand of punishment on you. You're going to be struck blind. And instantly, darkness came over the man's eyes. He began groping around, begging for someone to take him by the hand and lead him. And when the governor saw what happened, he became a believer. He was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Now, lay aside just a second this dramatic part about this guy was blinded, okay? I'm not encouraging you to try to get people blinded in the name of the Lord. But what I want you to see is that there was a war, that there was a spiritual conflict between Paul trying to advance the kingdom of God and this demon-inspired man that was trying to stop him, and the prize was the soul of this governor. And this is exactly the story what I want to look at today. Uh, the devil had power, but the spiritual power in Paul was greater. Don't you know 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? Paul had greater power, and I'm going to use the phrase, he had spiritual authority over evil. And here's my question today. Is it possible that you and I, as Christian people, having the same Holy Spirit that Paul did, could we have this kind of spiritual power over evil and darkness as we advance the kingdom of God? Well, my answer is going to be yes, and I'm going to endeavor to show you this today. Um, 
I want to help you. What I've been doing in this series, as I said, this is number eight. We'll have one more. And in it, we'll talk about what the Bible says about Satan in the end days or the last times, uh, what he's doing on the earth. But I've been trying to help you recognize that sometimes the opposition and the difficulty that you, fa you and I face in life is not just natural stuff, but it can be demonically inspired. Now, how many know we live in a world that has problems? Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. I mean, we just live in a fallen world. There's problems with supply chains. You know, there's problems with people paying bills. I mean, there's just things that happen. But some of it is a spiritual attack. And I've tried to help you. We did five case studies in this, how evil works. I've tried to help you to show you how the devil tries to orchestrate and do things. And uh, I hope it's been helpful to you. But today I want to talk about a mindset that we need to have in this idea of spiritual authority over evil. That when we pray for someone, when we minister to someone, we're not just a human being, but we're someone ministering in the authority of Jesus Christ. Now here's the mindset I, I want to take from David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, David replied to the Philistine, now, would we all agree that this Philistine was likely a tool in the hand of Satan? The Philistines were trying to keep Israel out of land God promised to give them. So it was spiritual opposition. But David, a 16-year-old kid, this Philistine, <laughs> seven foot tall, I mean, he was a giant. And listen to what David said. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I want you to say this with me. I come to you in the name of the Lord. I'm coming to you in spiritual authority. I'm coming to you not just with my slingshot. You may come at me with a sword and a spear, but I'm coming unto you on behalf of God, uh, whom you have defied today, and today the Lord will conquer you. So it's not going to be just my little rock that I throw that does it. It's going to be the Lord behind the impact of it, and he's going to defeat this enemy. And this is the mindset that I want you to embrace today. This is not intended to be an emotional shake-you-up kind of message, hoo-ha. This is intended to, to, to challenge the way that you think about evil, how you approach the place of prayer, how you minister to people, how you help advance God's kingdom in the name of the Lord. Because there is opposition, but how many know the greater one is is within us. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Uh, I've entitled this spiritual authority. And the first 90% of my message, 95%, is going to be presented in absolute terms. I'm trying to build a broad foundation of this truth. In the last few minutes, we'll talk about attention because sometimes a prayer is not answered. Sometimes there's a conflict. Sometimes Satan seems to win. And I'm going to help you understand how the, how the two go together. But the central truth of the morning is this, that you and I as believers have authority in our battle against evil through two things, the blood of Jesus Christ and the name of Jesus Christ. Let's explore it together. Let's talk first kind of foundational. I want to give you a, uh, a biblical foundation for this mindset that you are not just, you know, you coming in your knowledge and strength and ability, but God has given you spiritual authority as a Christian. <clears throat> Excuse me. Authority by definition simply means the ability to do something. David had an ability to sling a rock and kill a giant, but it was supernatural ability. It was, it was, it was capability. It was supernatural power that comes from God. Now, how many know, in general, people, uh, people respect authority? 
Uh, for example, uh, if, you, if you see this, uh, this truck show up, this police truck, you straighten up. If you got an open beer, you put the top on it. Come on, how many understand what I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> if you've got foreign, uh, foreign smoke in that car, I don't know what you're going to do. You're just caught. But you straighten up. If you're going fast, you slow down. Because of authority and those blue lights, you know you pull your car over the side of the road. But how many know that officer, see that badge on the bottom right-hand side? That's the source of his or her authority because that badge gives them power. My wife got me watching this show, NCIS. Those guys, they got two things. They got a badge and they got a gun. Well, listen, your gun is a spiritual weapon. It's a prayer. It's not a literal gun, but it's your prayer in the name of Jesus. It's your stand. But you've got a badge that you wear. And this badge that we're going to talk about it today, it's the source of our authority. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, this officer, now listen, if they're decked out in their uniform, uh, you know it's a police person. You know it's someone there that has authority. But let's say they're undercover, and let's say they're following you through Super One, and uh, you happen to be putting some things in your basket and some things in your pocket. And uh, uh, they come up to you, and they say, uh, would you show me what you just put in your purse? I didn't put anything in my purse and you go to line or before you know it you pull out your whatever your knife or your whatever and all of a sudden there's two things happening he's going to subdue you but if he can't subdue you if you're a wild person he's going to get on the mic and he's going to start calling for backups and reinforcement because this authority represents the power of the state of Texas come on it represents the power as a deputized deputy in uh, uh, in the state in the uh, county of Bowie County under the authority of the sheriff there are scores of people that have badges that have been deputized to go and stop evil and before you know it they're walking in that super one they're coming in they got their clubs out they are going to subdue you and if they can't get you and you've got friends they are going to call the state police and you're going to have that parking lot filled with blue lights because there is authority come on now there is power represented behind this badge you may not see this power friend until it comes out but when it comes out that policeman recognizes I'm not just arresting you. I don't have authority over you because of myself and me going to the gym. I've got it because of the authority vested in me. And what I want to tell you, friends, you and I as believers have been deputized by Jesus Christ. And we're living in this world, not under our own power and ability, but because of what the blood of Christ and what the name of Christ can do for us. So I want you to take that mentality and let me build a little greater a biblical foundation now about this concept of spiritual authority that it was given by Jesus to his followers. Uh, we've got the 12 apostles. Now, everyone would agree with this. Uh, the 12 apostles, Jesus himself, how many know they had supernatural ministry at work? They preached the word, they healed the sick, uh, they cast out devils, and it was kind of a, a trio there. They had power over evil, uh, they did miracles, and the word of God was advanced. And every Christian scholar, commentator, would agree that that was true. But where the question becomes, does that authority move beyond the apostolic era? Does it move beyond the original 12 apostles? And I suggest to you that it does, and I'll show you why. 
There is a doctrine, a belief that it, it stopped when the apostles died. It stopped when the, the Bible was canonized. The problem is I have, I, I, the scriptural support for that is so weak and the biblical support for the authority that we still have it is so strong. Uh, it's called cessationism and uh, it believes that the, <laughs> I'll say it this way, the good stuff, the power stuff stopped. But I think the Bible teaches something different. Let, let me read you a few scriptures. Matthew chapter 10 the 12 disciples, he calls them together and gave them what? Authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease. Now, this is not just about deliverance or demon possession, okay? It's broadly about evil. And we're not talking about the exorcist, okay? We're not talking about green vomit and long tongues. We're talking about things like maybe, maybe someone you love and care about has a drug problem. And it has a hold of them, a grip on them that is more than just physiological. There's a spiritual grip on their life. And there's a power that's controlling them. Maybe we're talking about someone that has an anger issue. And this anger issue has caused them to commit do domestic violence multiple times. It's caused them to lose their job. And they will even tell you, I feel like I'm out of control. I'm suggesting you that it's possible it could be some demonic thing that's pushing them in what they're doing, okay? So we're talking about, when we talk about deliverance, uh, of getting people delivered, this is what we're talking about. Now notice it wasn't just the 12. Luke uh, 10, 17, Jesus then sends out 70 followers or 72 and the 72 return with joy. And listen to this, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. Because of the authority vested in us, demons were subject to us. And then Jesus said this, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. This is likely when he was cast out of heaven at first. But what it's a picture of is I saw Satan's defeat. And now, listen, Satan was defeated. Verse 19, I'm giving you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now that's not bugs and snakes. That's a picture of demonic activity. I'm giving you authority. I am deputizing you, Christian. I'm deputizing you over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. Mark 16, an interesting verse. Uh, some translations you'd read that it's uh, perhaps not a part of the original manuscript, yet every, every Bible that I own has it in it, so I'm sticking with it. Mark 16 says these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe, and the, one of them is they will cast out demons in my name. In my name. Okay, uh, forget the exorcist just a second, but think about people that go around helping people get free from bondage. It could be a bondage of sickness. It could be a bondage of oppression. It could be a bondage of whatever it may be, persecution. It may be like this guy that's afflicting this governor and he's someone that's in place and they're a tool of the devil. But God has given us authority. And the way that we use this authority is in the place of prayer. Now, uh, uh, let's look at a deacon. Again, perhaps you've heard. Uh, that uh, only the apostles had this great power. Well, here's a deacon. Acts 8 verse 5, Philip the deacon went to the city of Samaria and told the people about the Messiah. Here it is again. Many evil spirits were cast out and many people were healed. This is the historical uh, uh, foundation 
for how people took the ministry of Jesus and they began to imitate it and do it. The 12, the 70, all believers, and it was not because of what they learned in Bible school. It was because of the authority of the blood in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, let's, let me give you another scripture too. Our authority over evil today comes from what theologians call our position in Christ. Read you a couple of scriptures. Paul was sent by God to the Gentiles. Now listen to what happened. Acts 26. Gentiles to whom God says, I'm sending you, I've sent you to open their eyes so they may turn from, turn from darkness to light and turn from the power of Satan to God. To turn from the control of Satan to God. And then he says it this way. He says in Colossians, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. This is not just you and I having freedom from Satan's control, but we're building towards seeing that we have ability to push evil back from other people. Listen to what Paul said when we're saved in Ephesians 2 verse 4. God, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. Now listen to verse 6, and I want you to ponder this. God raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He seated us in heavenly places. Now look at someone next to you and say, but you're still here. <laughs> Do you think it's possible to have two realities at one time? Do you think it's possible... To be here on earth, but yet be positioned in a place of spiritual victory in heaven. Victory over darkness. This is what he's talking about. I read the coolest commentary. It was from the letter of Ephesians, about the letter of Ephesians from a man named P.T. O'Brien. But listen to what he said. He said, positionally, Christians have been identified with Christ in the resurrection and exaltation. Now, everyone would agree with that, every theologian, but he goes on and says, Christians have a position of superiority and authority over the evil powers. So when we are seated in heavenly places, it's not just a picture of heaven one day, it's the way that we operate today. That when we deal with evil, I want you to see yourself, I'm up here looking down at evil and what it's doing. It doesn't mean I'm self-righteous. It doesn't mean that I'm better than people. It means my perspective is one of victory and the victory of Christ on the cross over anything evil and demonic. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Now, that is the mindset I hope is imparted to you today. It is the spirit that young David had when he looked at Goliath and said, you're coming at me and you're strong, but I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord. I'm coming against you because I have been deputized. The blood of Jesus has covered me. It has freed me from your control. Greater is he that is in me. And I'm coming under the power of the blood and the authority of Christ is behind me. Now I command you in Jesus' name, take your hand off this little girl. Take your hand off my daughter. Now, you can pray like that, or you can go to her little bed. You've given her a 12 o'clock uh, curfew, and she's not there at 12. Oh, no, what's happened? What's happened? And somehow you fall asleep on the couch, and now it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, my little girl. 
Or you can go and you can find some kind of anointing oil and you can go to her pillow and you can say, I've had enough of this. She's not the real problem here. She's participating. I'd anoint that pillow and I'd say in the name of Jesus, I speak to any spirit now that is trying to, to destroy my daughter and anyone that's trying to lead her down a desperate path, down a path of death, a path of destruction. I remind you that she was dedicated to God as a child. The blood of Jesus covers her and the blood of Jesus covers me. And I speak to you in the authority of Jesus Christ that this thing of these drugs and these friends are going to be broken in Jesus' name and she's coming back a new person. I don't know if it happens instantly. I've seen instant things happen. I don't know if it takes a, a day, a week, a month, a year. I, when it's happened, it's going to happen, friends, because there's a promise that the God of peace is soon going to crush Satan underneath your feet. You may lose some battles in that war, but you're going to win the war. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Now, let's talk about the blood of Jesus as the basis of our power. This is, if you, if you can say that the blood is symbolic of the badge. Now, I'm going to read Revelation 12, and Revelation 11, uh, uh, four verses down, will tell us how we overcome Satan. It'll surprise you, but let me read up to it, because I know some of you are late in picking up this series, and this might sound a little extreme, but let's, let's kind of pick up a little bit. Revelation 12, verse 7, there was war in heaven. Michael, this is the archangel Michael, and his angels fought against who? The dragon and his angels, they were demons. The dragon is Satan. The dragon lost the battle. Once again, God defeats them. And his angels were forced out of heaven. And the great dragon, now this is probably yet to come. Uh, the great dragon, the ancient serpent. Remember the Garden of Eden? He's called the devil, Satan, or the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And then I heard a loud voice. It has come at last. Salvation, power, and the kingdom of our God and the authority, authority of Christ. I'm talking about the sheriff. I'm not talking about the deputy. I'm talking about the authority of the sheriff. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ, the accuser of our brothers and sisters, had been thrown down to the earth, the one who accused them before God day and night. Now look, at here's verse 11. This was our, po our, our point. They have defeated Satan by the blood of the Lamb. defeated Satan by number one, the blood of the Lamb. Number two, by their Christian testimony, their declaration. And number three, the attitude they didn't love their lives so much as they were afraid to die. In other words, they were willing to become martyrs. But the first thing was said in that was not just their willpower to fight. It was they overcame by the cross of Jesus Christ, by the power of Jesus' blood, because they had been deputized believers. Now, let's talk a little more about the blood. Uh, in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus Christ has freed us from our sins. That's why Christianity is distinct from any other religion. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's what? No forgiveness of sins. So it's his blood that forgave us. Revelation 5 says, by your blood, you ransom people from God. A ransom is you buy somebody back. Where were we bought back from? We were bought back from Satan. Adam and Eve sold the human race to Satan in a very real way. That's why there's sickness, death, pain, sorrow, violence. Jesus bought us back to God. But that's not what, sin is not where it stops. Uh, it is the blood is also the basis of our spiritual authority over evil. 
Verse 11, as we read, they defeated him by the blood of the lamb. By this means, the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, believers are able to defeat Satan. So what is this? How, how, is, how is all this applying to me? Uh, l- l- let's say, uh, I don't know, let's say God moves on your heart. And uh, I don't know, maybe you were here Wednesday night and that was just so powerful to hear, you know, in a Muslim nation how Christians were living and, and, and these girls were, were raped as they tried to cross the border, raped in Iran, and uh, they had babies. And from the shame of it all, they just leave these little babies. And, and, and these guys were picking them up and helping people and helping the girls and everything else. And that moved your heart deeply. And you said, you know what, God, I want to I try to give $1,000 a month. to, uh, to uh, uh, And it's something I can reasonably do. But I, I want to help people around the world. Uh, maybe it's Bibles is your thing. And you've seen what happens when we put Bibles into the hands of people that never owned a Bible. And you say, God, I, I, I want to be able to give $100 a month to, to buy 10 Bibles to go overseas. Well, anyway, you do that. But all of a sudden, if I can say it this way, all hell breaks out against your finances. Well, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to tell you that you were trying to do something good for God and Satan is there opposing it. So what do you do? Do you just get your credit card out? Now, that's the easy thing. This is how the, the secularized world has sanitized anything spiritual from life and removed evil as a causal factor for any of the things that are bothering us. But let's just say if you want to go to prayer over it and, and, and you want to pray about your financial situation and you're convinced that Satan's behind you, get in your room by yourself, shut your door in your closet. You don't need anybody else hearing you're praying. Come on, I, I like to pray by myself. I like to pray out loud. And I walk when I pray. But I would start out this way. Satan, I'm first going to talk to you as someone that's been deputized by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to someone that no longer belongs to you, but but belongs to God. I'm a child of God, and I'm a child of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I speak to any demon that's attacking my finances now. I want to say in Jesus' name, you're going to have to loose your hand. Because my Bible tells me, given it'll be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men bring into your bosom. And I am going to be giving, my friend, and you are not going to stop me. So whatever you're doing, now, whatever you're trying to do, however you're trying to stop this money from flowing into my hands, from vendors, from bosses, from raises or whatever, I command you in the name of Jesus to stop what you are doing, cease and desist. That's the way I would pray. Or you can say, God, (laughs) I don't have any money. How you pray is up to you. You say, well, what if it doesn't work? Well, I say, what if it does work? You have a heck of a lot more chance of getting something happen spiritually if you're praying in the name of Jesus than if you're just complaining to God. Come on now. I need to move along. Spiritual power is released when we pray or minister in the name of Jesus. Uh, uh, Let's go back to Paul. What a great man he was. But you know what? He had the same Holy Spirit that you and I have in us. He was a great man. But he still, all the greatness he did was because of the Spirit. Acts 16, verse 16, there was a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. All right? She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. Uh, so there must be some validity in it. It's kind of the, the, uh, the false use of, of a real gift of prophecy. Uh, but look at verse 18. Paul turned and said to the demon within her. 
Huh. I command you. He didn't ask. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And instantly it left her. So what's so significant about using the name of Jesus in prayer or ministry? I want to suggest that name is also like this badge. It recognizes and it calls on the Lord's authority over evil. When you sign in someone else's name, you are, you are signing yourself under that authority. That's why David said to Goliath, remember when he came to Goliath? I come to you in the... I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord because I realize... The, your power is greater than I am. My shouting won't do any good. My dancing, jumping up and down won't do any good. And certainly never do anything as foolish as sitting on top of somebody. Come on now. And telling the demons to come out. Don't be foolish. This is not mystical. This is not weird. This is not spooky. Come on. Weirdness has caused a lot of people to turn away from the reality of this truth. And if Satan, can't, if Satan can't stop you and keep you away from it, he'll do some things to try to keep you out of it by, by, by weirdness. That's just a little extra from experience. But that's what David did. And now, now here's my favorite scripture in this whole series about what we're talking about. In 1 John 4, um, he has been talking, uh, John talked about false prophets and the spirit of Antichrist. But listen to what he said. You belong to God and have defeated, past tense, them, the false prophet and spirit of Antichrist. Why? Because God's spirit which is in you is greater than the devil who is in the world. Now that is powerful. 1 John 4, 4. When we use Jesus' name, we tap into his power. Let me read several scriptures now. Mark 16, we read this earlier. In my name... They'll cast out demons. Whatever you ask in, in my name, I'll do it that the Father, this is John 14, may be glorified in the Son. Whatever you ask in my, in my name, if you ever hear me pray, I can guarantee you, you're always going to hear me say, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't care if I'm praying and thanking God for my lunch. I don't care if I'm thanking God or I'm praying with you about something because I recognize it's not my words. But it's the power of the name of Jesus. Even Philippians says in 2.10, So that in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow on heaven and earth and under the earth. That's the demons. They will even submit to his authority. So when we lay hands, listen, when we pray, end your prayer in the name of Jesus. If you lay hands on someone, let's say somebody says uh, they're sick. Uh, uh, first of all, let me say, I'm grateful we have doctors. I go to the doctor, I use medicine. But I don't want that to be my sole approach for healing. I want to go to James. James said, if any sick among you, call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. So it's not one or the other. I believe that it's both. But, but when you pray for somebody that's sick, you can pray loud or you can do whatever you want to. That's not what, what matters. What matters is in the name of Jesus. Everybody say it. In the name of Jesus. See, again, maybe, you're, maybe you're, uh, your child or maybe somebody at work. <laughs> now, this is an interesting one. It's one thing if your child is away at 3 in the morning. It's another thing if it's somebody at work or somebody you work with. <laughs> come on. And they don't have Christian character and they just seem like they're a little over the edge on this stuff. Now, you probably don't want to go up to them face to face and say, hey, you devil, come out. <laughs> but when you pray for them in your prayer closet, come on now. 
Your prayers have power that can cross the miles. And let me close with this. The, the, uh, well, let me, t- let me talk first about uh, this authority in the name. When I was a boy, I was raised in Mississippi in the country, and my family farmed. And uh, my job was to drive the tractor. I remember when I was a little boy, I don't know, I was probably six or seven, they had me on a tractor picking up hay. And I would drive slow in first gear, and, and they had this group of people. And, of course, they're all out there, Dad and everybody, and they're throwing these hay bales. And, of course, you know, I couldn't drive it very far, but I could drive a little bit. Well, as I got older, uh, my job, I was good at cultivating the crops. And uh, I cultivate cotton, corn, soybeans. And uh, it, it, was, it was kind of a tedious kind of job, and it, it was hot. We didn't have air-conditioned tractors back in those days. It was hot, uh, same 100-degree temperature. I didn't even have shade over my head. And on my way home, there was a little store there. It was called J.D. Scott's Store. And uh, he just happened to have cold Pepsi-Colas, and he happened to have potato chips and pork rinds and candy and everything else that a, that a, that a young boy likes to eat. The only problem is I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money to buy anything, but every time I'd walk out of that store and I'd have a soda pop in my hand and some chips or something. And you, now you're thinking, you probably stole from poor J.D., didn't you? No. I went in there. I got whatever I wanted. I got that grape knee-high. I put it on the counter with that big bag of potato chips, and I said, charge it to granddaddy. <laughs> charge it to Granddaddy. He has authority with you because he pays his bills, and I'm one of his delegated workers, and my granddaddy will pay. And you know what he did? He pulled out the little pad, the way they used to keep track of stuff, and he'd write it down, and every month it'd come in the bill, and granddaddy would pay it. Come on now. I'm telling you, granddaddy had deputized me in his name to charge at J.D. Scott's. This is the way it works. Let, Let me read a couple more scriptures. The name of Jesus is not a gimmick. It's not a spiritual trick. Let me give you a little warning here. Acts 19, there was a group of Jews traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. Notice this. They tried to use the name of Jesus in their incantation. They said, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied. I'd probably run out of the room. I don't know about you. But now you got a devil talking through somebody. I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Now I want to ask you this question. Do demons know you? Now they're not omniscient like God is. God knows everything. Satan doesn't know everything. Demons don't know everything. They're not. How do they know you but through some observation of your life? Do they know that you're wearing a badge? Do they know that you have faith? Do they know that you're a believer? Do they know that you're committed? Notice what it says. Um, The man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. And somebody took pictures of it and put it all over Facebook. I mean... (laughs) Uh, that's just a little extra there, just a little warning about it that we're not playing a joke. Now, let me take the last couple of minutes. You remember I told you when we started, I was going to speak most of the time in an absolute sense of the, of the way to get prayers answered, of, of, of the way to see evil, you know, pushed back. But how many are honest enough, not every prayer I pray, even if it's in the name of Jesus, is answered? How many are honest enough to say, I've tried to help some people get free? I've tried to do some things. I've tried to pray some prayers, praying over the election and so many things. But it just seemed like nothing happened. 
it seemed like Satan won and I lost. Is it okay to say that? Well, let's talk about this. We live in a tension. The fact is we're in a battle that began in Genesis, is going to end in Revelation, and it's going to end at a cool place. In one verse, Satan is going to be thrown uh, into the eternity, into the pit forever and ever, and we're going to heaven forever and ever. That's the war and the outcome. But there's battles along the way where Satan seems to win. Didn't Satan seem to win against Job for a period of time? And it was all Satan. How about this one in the New Testament? Uh, Acts 12, King uh, Herod Agrippa uh, began to persecute some believers. He had the Apostle James killed with the sword. The Apostle James. He was in the inner circle, inner three with Jesus. And he was killed. It was like evil just raised its ugly head and went whack. It's like evil raised its ugly head against my wife and she got breast cancer. Whack. Seven years clear now, right? Praise the Lord. He also arrests Peter. And here's my question. If we're there, now what? If anyone, listen, they'd seen Jesus do the miracles. A lot of these people had actually been involved in the deliverances themselves. But now, just like that, James is killed. I'm talking now about an attitude, a mindset of continuing to fight with an attitude of faith because your victory is coming. Let's continue reading. Verse 4, they imprisoned Peter, put him uh, under guard, four squads of four soldiers, 16 soldiers. And he's chained to them, and he's in the prison at nighttime. But notice what it says. While Peter was in prison, the church... Prayed very earnestly for him. The church got into the place of prayer and Peter got freed. It was a miraculous, one of the most miraculous in all of the pages of Scripture. Angels opening doors, chains are dropping off, doors are opening up by themselves. But they didn't stop because they lost a battle. They lost the battle with chains. It is our walk of faith. You read Hebrews chapter 10. There's great miracles of what faith does, but then some people die in faith and didn't receive the promise. Listen, they, 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 but yet not yet on this earth, but the promise is coming down the road. I'm telling you, friends, we may get knocked down in our battle like James was, but you and I have the mindset, I'm rising up because I have the spirit of David in me. I'm picking up my, uh, my badge and I'm going to fight for the next Peter down the road because I have a promise that the God of peace is soon going to crush Satan underneath my feet. And I'm going to believe it until I see it final on that great day when Jesus comes to this earth and Satan is in, is in hell and no more with me. Until that day, listen, I'm wearing my badge every day and I'm going to wear it proudly because I'm a Christian. I am blood bought and there's a power that's been given to me. Come on now. It's been given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ. Use it when you pray. Use it when you minister to people. You say, what if it doesn't work? What if it does? But the what if, friends, is you have a biblical foundation that I've given you today to believe what God's word teaches and the results are up to him. Come on, somebody say, praise the Lord. He's worthy, 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 worthy of all our praise. Something about this mindset. Why don't you stand to your feet? And I want us to think as we close today about the mindset that David had. David is facing evil 
in a, in a way. That, I mean, the whole world is watching. There's two armies on both sides, and David and Goliath are, are going to face each other. Goliath is too big for him. Goliath is arguably seven foot tall or better. He's been a warrior all his life. His spear is so heavy, not many people can carry it, much less throw it. And he comes to this little boy with no armor whatsoever. And all this boy did was pick up a rock. But he didn't say, I'm going to kill you with this rock. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And God is going to strike you. This is the source of our power. Not us, but him. We've got a badge, and we're marching out in victory. I want you to bow your head right now, and I, I want to pray this over you. I want you to remember the parable of the sower. We talked about it earlier. Remember the sower went out to sow seeds, and some of the seeds fell where? They fell on the path. And when Jesus taught it, he said the birds came and ate the seeds up. And then the disciple says, can you explain this to us? And Jesus said the seed was the word of God, and the birds were Satan himself. And he came and ate those seeds of the word and he plucked them out of the hearts of the people and they made no difference. So my friends, I want to tell you, you've heard some things today. Maybe you've never heard before or maybe you've not heard in a long time. Look at me just a second before we pray. Maybe you hadn't heard it in a long time. Maybe you saw some weirdness and it just kind of turned you off this whole idea. Maybe you've never heard it biblically. Maybe you got disappointed. I know I have as a Christian. I know I've prayed a lot, a lot of prayers that didn't get answered. And I've seen a lot of people that I just knew everything within me. It was the devil and it just, it, it, he, he won the battle. But I heard the coolest thing the other day. Uh, the guy came up to me Wednesday night and he's shaking his hand. And I said, what's going on, man? He said, I need to tell you a testimony. He said, uh, before the, when COVID was at its peak, you had an outside service one night. Remember that? Had the cars out there. And after the service, you said, if anybody wants prayer, turn your lights on and we'll come to you well one of our elders went out to the car and he said what's wrong with you and he had a number of problems but he said my biggest problem today is I can't use my hand true story I've recorded it we'll show it to you one day I don't know exactly what the term he used but it was like a severe arthritic condition you know almost you've seen people hands almost paralyzed just can't use them and he said that's the way my hand was but he said this brother prayed for me and after he prayed for me, I just felt something was different. And he said, the whole way home, I was doing this with my hand. And I couldn't do that before. I couldn't do it before. And he came back. He said, my hand's still working. God heal my body. Amen. Now that builds my faith. But I bet that same brother has prayed for people and it didn't happen. I can't explain. I can't explain why James doesn't get, uh, James is killed. But what I can do is wear my badge every day yeah. and get up again and go out to battle because Peter's in prison. And this is the mindset I want to have for myself and I want you to have. And I'm a blood-bought child of God. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. His power is in me. Greater is the power of God in me than the power of Satan in the world. And I exercise the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And I speak to that devil and I command him to go in Jesus' name. Now bow your heads, let's pray. Just slip your hands to heaven and just say, Lord, I, I want to be used like this. I don't want to just read about it in the Bible.
but I want the Holy Spirit to use me to advance your kingdom with a supernatural ability. Lord, I want to pray that you would help me. Let, 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 let me have the revelation of being deputized right now. Let it transform my thinking. And let the power of Jesus Christ you be available in my life as I commit afresh to serve you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand. He's worthy of praise. Listen, I love you. Thank you so much for coming. We're going to close with prayer. I'm going to invite our prayer team back down. Let me say this. Maybe you've been harassed and attacked by the devil, or maybe one of your family members. Let somebody pray with them. I can't think of a better time than right now. Our prayer team is coming down, and then we'll close our service. If you're able to, hang on just a second. But uh, they're going to pray for you, and I hope to see you Tuesday night at David Barton, 7 o'clock. God bless you. So prayer team comes. I just want to ask you a question. Are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? And if you're not, you need to get that right. Uh, you can be God's creation, but you might not be God's child. The Bible says as many as received him, to them he gives the authority to become a child of God. And so if you're not a child of God, you're not going to have authority over the enemy. You're not going to know where you spend eternity. So if you need to get that right before you leave, if you need to ask Christ in your life, into your life, make him your Lord and Savior, become a child of God. Just meet me over at the cross and we'll pray for you. Otherwise, come and agree with somebody. There's power in agreement. And if you might be in a situation where you really need some spiritual backup, they'll pray with you. God bless you. Come on, we'll sing this together. It's your breath. It's your breath. a bit longer if you'd like to hang out with us uh, but for everybody else you can be dismissed at any time uh, we just pray that you have a blessed day today